I'm back, baby. Oh, my double crap. Do you know who I am? No, but maybe if you hum a few bars. Yes, sir, random kid I just met. You know, this man's forgotten more about pain than you'll ever remember. About pain. About forgetting about. It's Jake C. Lee. I am the low rating that cancels your program. I thought you were made of sterner stuff. Don't be jealous because I'm attractive. You know what? You just made the list. <laughs> oh, wait, you're serious. Let me laugh even harder. It's time to check the link. I like that. I didn't do anything wrong because I can't do anything wrong. Hooray! People are paying attention to me. It's all in sports. Game on, everybody. It's all in sports. Jake Seeley, as always, at All In Kid, bringing on, as I usually do, Chris Meany. Follow him at Chris Meany. Part of the athletic, part of fan tracks, part of like a million things out there. Good. It's doing the golly. Is, is NHL and NBA over for you yet? I don't know. Uh, NHL basically is. It's like semifinal week. I had the last article in the athletic um, Sunday night. So that's that's done. And a couple of people have asked to do some final, you know, offseason dynasty ranking. So I'll do that. But the season's basically over. You know, if it's it, a lot of people play Jake like week 17 in football. They'll play it in the final week of hockey. And it it's the same thing. You can't do it. Because teams shut down their players, guys, you know, are, are resting guys for playoffs, and so you can't do it. But one more for basketball, and I mean, basketball is, let's be honest, it's a crapshoot. This time of the year, you're you're streaming left, right, and center, just to try to find somebody that can play 20, 25 minutes in the NBA. Yeah, it's it's kind of crazy. I don't want to get stuck in the NBA though, because you're just gonna, you know me, I get fired up when we talk about the NBA. And yeah. you know what? Actually, that's a good transition though, because. You know, at the end of this Antonio Brown saga, and that's where we're going first. I feel like we've talked about it a million times, but it is Antonio Brown. It's something that's been happening for a long time. I said my first reaction was, I really hope this doesn't set a precedent and we don't start turning into the NBA for the NFL. Now, there's two different scenarios here, and I think you understand this, and most people do, but you have to understand Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell are two different situations. Like, I even said, I'm glad Antonio Brown got paid. I'm glad Antonio Brown has this guaranteed money. I want to see Le'Veon Bell get paid as he should, especially the running back position. But Le'Veon Bell chose to sit out for a year to make his case, to make his, you know what? I don't like the situation. I don't like how the NFL treats us. I want my money. You're not paying us right. Maybe part of it was the Steelers as what looks to be part of the problem for Antonio Brown too. Like the Steelers definitely don't look like a cohesive unit as players together in the locker room, in the front office, all that type of stuff. So Steelers, bad place to be apparently. But Antonio Brown doing the way he did is my problem. And I think you understand that, Chris, is I don't want to see this turning into the Jimmy Butler of demanding trades midseason. I don't even like the team that I got traded to, so I'm going to demand the trade again to get to another team. And I'm going to go to Instagram, and I'm going to complain and make a big stink out of it and like all this type of stuff. Like That's my issue is like, yes, the Steelers are probably at fault. Yes, the NFL is at fault with the contracts, but the Le'Veon Bell route, I can get behind. The Antonio Brown, I don't want to see this start happening. Like A good example is look at what Deshaun Jackson just did. He went on Instagram saying, goodbye, Tampa Bay. It was nice being here. He was still on the team and not traded at that point. Yeah, and well, everything, I mean, times are changing. It really is, like with social media and Instagram and Twitter. I mean, Dirk Nowitzki talking about NBA the other day. He, he just came out and said the other day, he's like, I'm not sure if players in the NBA today want to win championships. They feel like it's all about the most views on Instagram, on their stories, or the most likes. And, you know, Doncic had a joke about it and said, listen, you're too old. You can't even use social media. So, you know, you're on your own page there. But I, I'm in agreement with you. I like that both of these guys – 
got their money, they bet on themselves. And the Bell situation is certainly different from Browns. But if you're, I don't know, a kid that wants to play football and you're looking up to Antonio Brown and you're seeing that he quit on his team in week 17 with a chance to get into the playoffs and he just walked and left. And the way that he's handled all of this through social media, through Instagram, through, you know, ripping former teammates, ripping current teammates, management, coaching staff, everything. And then he got his way. He got exactly what he wanted. He, he ended up getting out of Buffalo, <laughs> which was a trade that, you know, to your point, said he was going to go somewhere he didn't, where he didn't want to go. So he got out of that trade because of the money that he was demanding. And he got to go to Oakland where he wanted to go. And it's going to be Vegas in a couple of years. He got, he got paid, which, you know, he deserves to be paid. And, you know, through the CBA, there's really, he should have been the highest paid wide receiver by far over the past few years. And really he hadn't been getting that money. And you're seeing other wide receivers like Alshon Jeffrey, Jarvis Landry get paid over the past couple of years. So good for him to get his dough, but yeah, I don't think he went about it the right way. I mean, I mean, I could say that and then I'm just like, well, he got paid. So he, I guess he did go about it the right way, but it does. It, it's a no, bad look. It's, it's, bad it's look. the, it's the whole, you know, the ends don't justify the means part of, you right. know, that cliche, you know, yes, he got his way. Yes. He got out of a bad situation, which, you know, we get more and more information on. And like, let's be honest, like that the Steelers as a whole, Ben Roethlisberger is at fault. Antonio Brown is at fault. You know, this entire team, the front office, maybe Mike Tomlin being too much of a coach's quote unquote player is part of the problem. Like all those, put all that aside. There's a lot of players on teams that are in terrible situations too that aren't doing what Antonio Brown is doing. And I know a lot of those players aren't Antonio Brown, so they don't have the same, you know, backing to be able to go out and say, oh, I'm going to start demanding things because teams are just, okay, whatever. Like Devin Funches, or not Devin Funches, Kevin Benjamin. I don't want to practice before the game with Josh Allen. All right, whatever. Who cares? You're Kevin Benjamin. But the same point is, I it's just, where I'm worried is the NBA is at that level now. You remember this. Like, look at the guys that were trying to demand trades this past season before the deadline. Like, what was it? Like, Markeith Morris and, like, people off the Suns. Like, I don't know. The Suns are terrible. But, like, it was role players that were like, oh, I need to be traded on a better team. Yeah. Like, shut the hell up and play, right? I mean. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Oh, I'm sure teams are <laughs> clamoring for your five points and two rebounds a game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, the Raptors got Marcus Gasol, and this guy's coming off the bench. He's hardly playing. So for for Morris, like, just just shut up and play your contract and play it out. I mean, you signed this deal. I know you're not happy with the situation, but I mean, you have to live up to these deals to a certain extent, right? I mean, you have to be held accountable. You signed this contract. You signed your name to the dotted line. This is what it is. I know in the NFL, you know, you can cut your losses and move on that way, just like the Steelers did. I mean, the Steelers are they look a little silly in this. I mean, they lose yeah. Bell and Brown in the same year and they have an aging quarterback. Like those killer bees are, are not killer at all anymore. You just got big Ben. They're I mean, dead. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're absolutely dead. And yeah, it's, it's a bit of a bad look for them. You're probably right. It's more on them and the organization probably than Brown. Although Brown has, you know, he's been, pretty diva like over the past couple seasons especially over the past few weeks i've been surprised actually with how crazy he has been well we should have seen this coming when he was video he was what the, oh yeah the, the, yeah. In the locker room while tom was trying yes. to address the team facebook living yeah that was probably the start of it you're right looking back and at at brown that's probably you it you will know this i am not the biggest odell beckham apologist because he's blocked me on twitter so like and, and you know i am 
one of the most in this, you know, this is going to sound like, oh, look at me. I'm so terrific. But I'm one of the most impartial. We all are. Well, you know, when you do fantasy for a living, it kind of cools your fanmanship a little bit. Not that you still don't care as much, but I don't get as angry as much. And I'm not a homer in sports because guess what? I'll own Ezekiel Elliott as a Giants fan. I'll own Jameson Crowder for because I was hoping he would be able to get back on the field and get healthy. Like, I don't care about fanmanship when it comes to fantasy. So, when it comes to evaluating sports as well, I feel like I do a really good job as well. And saying that is why I'm about to say what I am is people complain about Odell Beckham all the time. The one thing Odell Beckham did do when he was coming off an injury was show up for OTAs and show up for training camp. And he played the part and did the role of what a good teammate would be and then got his new contract. Now, is he still diva-ish? Well, what a surprise a wide receiver is a diva. What a surprise a New, a New York wide receiver as popular as he is, is diva-ish. What a surprise. At the same time, Odell Beckham, whether – let, let me phrase it to you this way, Chris. Would it surprise you if, let's say, the Giants traded Odell Beckham this week and then a report came out – because the reports never come out beforehand. The right. report comes out that Odell Beckham – wanted to be traded from the Giants, had told front office that he wanted to be out of there, blah, blah, blah. Would it surprise you if that story broke? No. no. Okay. And that's my point. We are not hearing a lick about Odell Beckham saying he wants out of New York. And maybe he's not at all. But my point is, you said he's like, you wouldn't be surprised. Is, is, if he is, we're not hearing a blip. He's not doing what Antonio Brown is. The other players in the NFL aren't doing what Antonio Brown is. And that, that's, again, to go back to it, I just I don't want to see this turn into the NBA. And will people start to do this now? Like, will, I mean, has he set a precedent that if he just, you know, takes a social media or he has a bad relationship with somebody in the front office? Like, I mean, you bring up Odell Beckham Jr. because, like, that's obviously, that's the obvious case, right? right. I, I, he's... There are a lot of wide receiver divas, of course. You can go back to T.O. and Randy Moss had his issues and some of these guys. Um, but for, for Beckham, I find he's just – he's so intense that I think he gets a little bit of a bad rap. Like when things don't go his way, when he's not catching balls or he's wide open and he's not getting them, uh, I understand the frustration because he's one of the best wide receivers in the league and he gets separation and he should be getting a ton of targets. And he's dealing with a bad quarterback and some bad play on his team, both sides of the football. So I get some of the frustration. And I think he just, I honestly think he gets a bad rap because of how intense he is on the sidelines. He just yeah. wants to win. But Brown is probably, Brown is, could be setting a precedent for some of these younger guys. Like you hope that Juju Smith Schuster isn't like that, you know, he's a young up and coming guy and wide receiver, you know, as a wide receiver core, Michael Thomas, I don't think he's going to be like that, but you, some of these young wide receivers that are coming up now, Kenny Galladay, you hope that if things don't go wrong inside their organization, that they just don't go this way in this route and just quit on their team. And it's like, ah, well, I'm going to get traded anyways. I mean, at the end of the day, <laughs> Oakland did pretty well. I mean, they come away from this, like, Hey, we gave oh, up yeah. Cooper a third, a fifth. We got Brown in a first. So that's where I was going next. Well, two things. First, I was going to say, Antonio Brown, you know who he is? He's the guy that you play Madden with. He just rages out and slams the controller. And like, I have a buddy like that. He'll quit right away. We'll play hockey and it'll be two nothing five minutes in and he'll quit. It's like, yo, you still have a full game left. (laughs) Like a full game, like video game time is lots of time for you to catch up. And he's done. He quit. He's, he's, I'll call him Antonio Brown now for forever. Yeah. I, and you know what? I understand. I've played video games my entire life. I understand where it feels like, hey, you know what? I'm doing what I'm supposed to be able to do to be, at least be competitive or winning. And <laughs> the game's kind of like not on the same page. Like something goes wrong that way. Like, so I can understand a little. It's the competitive nature. I have a friend yes. who 
will lose his mind to lose to me. And it's just, he hates <laughs> losing to me. And not that I'm great and beat him all the time because I don't. It's just, it's one of those things. It's just that competitive nature. So you talked about it, and I want to finish real quick, and then we'll move into the rest of the NFL free agency, is on the flip side, the good spin, as you said, is holy crap, Raiders. Like, well done. A, yeah. thir- a third and a fifth. And we've seen the tweets of the Khalil Mack and the Amari Cooper and what it was turned into with Brandon. Like, even if we sit back and say, you're not still finding a Khalil Mack, maybe they do in this draft. And But the problem is, is it probably doesn't turn into that for at least a year, if not two years. Still, even saying that, you still have three first rounders, a second, Antonio Brown for giving up Amari Cooper and some late round picks and Khalil Mack. Yeah, I mean, they kept all their first, and they got arguably the best wide receiver in football. You know, I still think, and you know this, and everyone listening knows this, I have a lot of issues still, but for as much heat as we've we've given Gruden over the year and a bit, and it'll be interesting to see how their draft goes. I mean, still three first-round picks, so to keep those and get Antonio Brown, I mean, that's that's significant. I'm, I'm in the park of – I probably would have kept Cleo Mack and tried to rebuild that way and spend that kind of cash, but – I, again, we've said this before, Jake, it's such a long process that we'll look back in a couple of years, three, four years, and be like, okay, now Oakland is is competitive, and look what they did. They turned over Mack and Cooper and got these picks. They got Brown. Maybe maybe they're competitive in two years where um, Brown does something significant for them and helps them you know, maybe get into the playoffs, but I still think they're, they're a ways away. But again, good on them for getting Brown and, and not really parting with anything. So let's talk about Brand for, Br- Brand. Brown. Game of Thrones is coming back, man. It's in the mind. Uh, let's talk about Brown for fantasy purposes. So over on The Athletic, I have the running blog of the free agency signings, which, by the way, the, the hell? first of all, the whole legal tampering thing, this isn't even legal tampering anymore. This is just straight up, we're signing people. And I know it's not official until Wednesday, but just what, what, why even bother? Just make free agency Monday or whatever it is. Just uh, this is so annoying, and it's annoying for me because I want to ask you, Chris. It was actually kind of fun to. Granted, it made me hectic for like an hour or two hours straight trying to update as fast as I can, and just there's just a flurry. But that's what kind of made it fun was the flurry of the signings coming in. Like, oh my god, Lucas! Oh my god, this person's! Oh my god! And now you're spacing it over like in a course of 24 hours, and it's just it's got less of an impact. Yeah, and I know. They're all filtering in. And, you know, you mentioned NBA earlier and you were talking about how you didn't want it to go down that road. And, you know, a lot of, you know, beat writers and reporters are talking about how they think it's good for the NFL. And these guys are talking and there's a little bit of collusion and, and you know, bringing people over here. And we're seeing Harper talk about it in every sport. It just seems like that's kind of the way it's going. Deshaun Jackson, I'm sure we'll get into is is doing a live Instagram feed. And I don't even know if it was official that he was traded yet. He's like, I'm going back to Philly, like talking about cheesesteaks. I'm like, has it even happened yet? Like, <laughs> I, I, I don't think you were cut from your team. And then if you find out that he wasn't released, he's actually traded. So yeah, man, crazy, crazy times. Yeah. And this, this year feels more official than ever before. Like I don't, I'm, I've been banging my head against the wall trying to remember who it was about two years ago where something was reported on like Monday. It's like, oh, likely uh-huh. to sign and then Wednesday. It didn't happen. And it and didn't it, happen. Oh, yeah. That's see, only, you know exactly. Yeah, what I do know exactly what you're talking about as well. Because he was fantasy relevant. <laughs> yes. And we all got, yeah, we all got excited when we thought about it. And then it, yeah, you're right. It didn't happen. Um, I forget about that now. I forget who it was. Yeah. All right. Well, in any case, so for Brown, I kind of 
reverse engineered some numbers for him, looking at Derek Carr's attempts and the completion percentage. And you, you expect a little bit of an uptick, not a ton. You know, maybe Derek Carr, 50, 553 attempts last year, maybe he gets up to 570. Like, I don't think Derek Carr is all of a sudden going to take this huge leap forward. But I said, if you look at Jordy Nelson for his last five games, zero touchdowns, but he did have 48 targets, 38 receptions, and 386 yards. And Chris knows this, as everybody who's listened to this podcast do. I hate extrapolating stats. However, just for argument's sake, that does check out to 154, 122 receptions, and 1,235 yards over 16 games. And that's Jordy Nelson. And that's Jordy Nelson as the number one, and Jordy Nelson at this point of his career. So if you look at Antonio Brown, I think a reasonable expectation is getting him about 160 targets. And if you put his ability and Derek Carr together, reception should probably be in the 105 to 110 range. Yards with that should be around 1,300. And let's give him a solid 10 touchdowns despite paying on the radars, radars, the Raiders. You know what that checks in, though, as that's still only wide receiver nine in both formats this past year, Chris. And I think those are actually somewhat optimistic projections. Yeah, I, I would I would say, yeah, when you said 13 and 10, I think um, definitely doable, obviously. But yeah, I would you're being generous there um, with Antonio Brown. So I, he's, I mean, he's not going to be the consensus one for sure anymore, two, three, four, or maybe not even five. Um, you know, Oakland's still going to be a bad team defensively, still going to get his targets. But I, again, I just wonder about Brown. Like, yeah, he's going to Oakland and it's exciting. It's a fresh start for him. But if this guy complained about, you know, 168 targets, 190 some odd four years ago hopefully he doesn't complain about some of the inconsistencies he's going to have with Derek Carr and who knows if he's even going to be the quarterback apparently they love Derek Carr in Oakland still uh, which is mind-boggling but yeah I think that's a fair projection for him you know yeah I can't see much higher honestly like 13 <laughs> like he's not I don't think he gets to 15 and and, and, and I've seen a lot of talk yeah, I, he could get to ten. He can get to ten for sure. He's still he's still amazing, and he still has a, a ton of skill and talent. Like I'm not going to doubt that. But I see, you know, some tweets on social media about how they're not going to use him because they didn't use Amari Cooper. Like Cooper never had any first. De- like Cooper went his whole time in Oakland last year. I know it wasn't a lot. and traded midway through. They didn't even target him on opening drives, like not once all year. And he hardly got any looks in the red zone. But that's not going to happen with Antonio Brown. Like they just went out and and paid him. He's over 30 now. I, I feel like they will feed him. So I think that's a fair projection. All these like some projections I'm seeing like 120, 130. I, I think it's more up in the range where you just said like 160. I think that's a solid number. I think you can get to that. But um, yeah, this you just, oh man, I don't know, man. I'm still, uh, they, need, they obviously need to do something else. You need to bring in a running back and, and get some other pieces. In the bring offense. in Le'Veon Bell. <laughs> hey man, bring in Le'Veon Bell and then, and then you're going and you're moving. Yeah. I guess like, I'm going to be really interested. I think a sleeper team for Le'Veon Bell could be the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which a lot of people seem to start mentioning yesterday afternoon. Oh, you, you and I, you, you mentioned that to me yesterday on through text and I hadn't even really thought about it. And the more I think about it, the more it, it's it would be Just super excited. fun. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, man. Arians and company. I, I, you know, we both like Godwin and Mike Evans. Bringing a running back there to to Le'Veon Bell's extent, I, I still think Jameis. He's got some issues, but he's a great real life fantasy quarterback when he's healthy. So yeah, that's it's very appealing. That'd be so appealing. So speaking of quarterback, Nick Foles got a hell of a lot of money. He <laughs> and, uh, paid. 
Yeah, so I'll give you a little blurb from the article. As I said, as much as the Eagles can thank him for a Super Bowl, he should be thanking them just as much for that contract. Four years, $88 million. He's now the quarterback of the Jaguars, and they're going to be releasing Blake Bortles in due time. I said this, though, Chris. For fantasy purposes, you know, he's definitely an upgrade over Blake Bortles for real life, for winning games, for being able to be a better player. I think the jury's still out on how good he is because we do have two opposite ends of the spectrum. And granted, one year was with Fisher, but there's been other down years mixed in or down games mixed in between the playoffs and playoffs, playoffs and that season way back with the, what was it, 26 and two or 25 and two or 27 and two, somewhere around there. Yeah. Um, the fact is, is his entire career still has a giant question mark. That all being said, I think he's pretty comparable to the 2016 and 17 Blake Bortles where it's 4,000, maybe 4,200, 25 or so touchdowns, which is good. It's definitely upgrade of Blake Bortles 2018, but for fantasy purposes, 2016 and 17 Blake Bortles, as I think is what we should expect. And if you're talking about the wide receivers of Marquise Lee coming off an injury, who knows what he's going to be like, D.D. Westbrook, Keelan Cole, and the rest, D.J. Chark, they drafted last year. I don't think we're going to have it's going to be another season where it's going to be interchangeable. Who knows who's going to produce you every single week. And we're not going to even have a top 25 wide receiver on this team. No, I don't think so either. They're still going to, you know, rely on their defense and want to run the football. They just want to bring in Nick Foles to be kind of Blake Bortles of what you said a couple years ago. Just manage the football game. Don't turn the ball over. You go look at two years ago and this team had lost in the AFC championship to the Patriots, Tom Brady and the Patriots, and they almost won that game. And, you know, Patriots move on. And guess what? They lose to Nick Foles and the Eagles. So, they, they, you know, Jacksonville is seeing that it is a lot of money. But at the same time, I'm actually fine with it because there's not a market for, for quarterbacks. You're not going to get anybody. They're in win-now mode. They could still draft somebody if they want. And they should draft somebody. Maybe, it does, maybe it's not as early, but they probably should draft somebody here because Nick Foles is not the future of this team. It's just a win-now situation. They have the cap space to do it. What is it, a $4 million upgrade? What was Bortles making 18 per year? Now Foles is going to make 22. So I think it just that $4 million, that extra $4 million is certainly worth it. But I'm in agreement with, with you as well as I don't think it's going to be a great fantasy situation. I'm going to be rooting for Nick Foles. I don't want him to go to Jacksonville and hear everyone talking about how brutal of a quarterback he is. Let's be honest. The line in Philadelphia is great, and the weapons were great. He does a good job of getting the ball out quickly. I don't I don't really necessarily see that in Jacksonville. You mentioned Lee. He's he's interesting. I think D.D. Westbrook, get the ball out quickly in D.D. Westbrook's hands, perhaps. He could be something for uh, in fantasy. Maybe he gets to the wide receiver three range, but uh, not not extremely excited about this offense or really Leonard Fournette. Like that's he's a huge question mark too. They need him to to be healthy for Fools to have some success, right? So Oh, absolutely. There's no de- question. De- I, think. De- I think it's a decent move. It's a lot of money. People are hating on it, but again, <laughs> they needed somebody. They really needed to bring in someone, and I'm fine with this. They can move on in a couple of years if they want to move on. I know it's $50 million guaranteed, but uh, I think this is a good move for them. They don't. He doesn't need to do that much. To win. This this team was two one win away, Jake. We're going to the Super think, Bowl. They're not I, that bad. Right, and I think that's why they went with Foles. As exactly. I think they're looking at it as a, let's get a quick turnaround. Maybe we can be a Super Bowl contender again. Instead yeah. of, you know, they, like to your point, they probably do draft somebody, maybe still even the first round. Who yeah, knows? I mean, really it sh- yeah, it wouldn't shock me if they did. But this at least gives them the opportunity to say, you know what? We're not throwing a rookie into the fire. We're not playing around with Blake Bortles anymore. If we're going to take a shot at it with this defense, with the talent we have, let's do it. And may- hey, maybe they can add a wide receiver. 
And that yeah. would be really nice. Adewato. And, you know, I think Foles proved himself last year. As much as, you know, two years ago he wins the Super Bowl and he goes through, you know, Atlanta, Minnesota, and New England, and he looks really good. But I think he proved last year he backed it up a little bit more when they needed wins. They had that big win against Houston where he was fine. I, I know Houston's defense was banged up, but he had – I think he had like four touchdowns. Then he went into Chicago and he did enough. And really he did enough against the Saints where he could have won there as well. So I think he proved himself – just don't turn the ball over. Like, it's a huge upgrade. Let's be honest. Blake Bortles is brutal. <laughs> I mean, who's still out there? Uh, Tyrell Williams is still out there. Although, yeah. I, I think that's about it. That would really, like, John Brown, I don't know if John Brown's the best fit with Nick Foles. No, I don't think he is either. I, Tyrell Williams would be a good one. Um, I think again, he could help. Some quick little throws. What you saw in Philadelphia over the past couple of years. Play to take a success. Filippo is there. That's a, that's another huge plus. He's the offensive coordinator in Jacksonville. He has a relationship from Philadelphia with Foles as well. So he doesn't have to go in and play catch up. He already, they're, they're familiar with each other. So I think it's a good move. Can you hear the guy doing the air? Yeah, I didn't know if that was – I was looking around my place. I was like – Oh my god! Like they come like right up to the damn door. Like I don't know. There's like that many leaves at my front door in the middle. Like spring isn't even here yet. What the hell are you doing? What are you blowing at my front door? All right, let's talk about something that I'm actually secretly a little excited for. That's Mike Davis, the signing with the Chicago Bears. Which pretty much, if their rumors weren't already big enough for Jordan Howard likely being gone, I think this is very telling on top of it. Although I don't understand the let's move on from Jordan Howard, but draft Benny Snell, Jordan Howard 2.0. But <laughs> that's a story for another day. <laughs> yeah, uh, if you oh look, he's back. That's awesome. Um, <laughs> Mike Davis. He's been in the league for a few years. Obviously, he's had injuries take a toll on his ability to actually make an impact and really break through. But we've seen the flashes, and I saw the flashes that I said when he came out of college. He's got the speed, and the, he's got the power and speed mixture where, no, he's not like Tariq Cohen fast, but he's got the speed mixed with that power to be able to slip tackles and get through the line, and even when they need him to get to the edge, and that's why I bring up the speed. And I think that – he performs well enough to be a 50-50 split with Cohen. Cohen keeps his role, but he comes in, which 50-50 split on the Bears means you're going to be frustrated. There's going to be down weeks and up weeks. As again, this is all assuming they don't bring somebody else in to take the job as the lead role, which puts him in probably, what would you say, back-end RB2 conversation. But you have to understand, especially when we're talking about most of the backfields in the NFL these days, there's not a lot of running backs who you know are going to be consistent week in and week out anyway. No, you're right. There, there really isn't. So, yeah, the, the writing is on the wall, Jordan Howard. I'm interested to see where, where he'll go. Um, really disappointing season from him last year. It started off strong. He was catching balls, and then he just, you know, he didn't look good. He wasn't finding holes, and he took a backseat for sure. So for, for Mike Davis in a small sample size, Jake, you're right. He does run really, really hard. I mean, he runs. He's aggressive. He's going to get some goal line work. It's going to be a decent offense. It's a good line, you know. Yeah, back in RB2, he might be able to fill fill in some – if they don't draft anyone, to your point, you're right. If they don't bring somebody else in, he could be, I think, cheap on draft day and some of that you can plug in. Uh, maybe he falls in the end zone a few times. It's a small sample size, 4.6 yards per carry. I mean, it's not bad, yeah. right? 112 attempts is a pretty strong season from him. And he, we've seen an increase now every year, a few more snaps, a few more attempts, a few more rushing yards, uh, and more efficiency. So, yeah, not bad. It, I was surprised, actually, they went this way, though. I thought they were going to be in a, be, try to bring in a bigger name or maybe draft somebody. Like, draft Benny Snell. Still, they still could. They, and they might, right? They, they may. If they draft Benny Snell, I'm just gonna, you're going to – you'll probably <laughs> hear it from Canada when I just 
let my head just bang off the table just as like <laughs> you'll kill that snowblower outside your house if you yeah it's gonna be the biggest sigh and rolling of the eyes you ever heard in your life but Oh, breaking news. We actually got the, the, the numbers on Jesse James finally, which is weird. because oh, like, wow. Yeah. Nobody wanted to share that. I know. It was is the it one deal. <laughs> no, but it's a lot more than I expected. Four years, 25 million, 11 guaranteed. <sighs> wow. Yeah. I mean, is this just the way the new NFL right now? It's just lots of money. They're just, they're tossing it out left, right, and center. I think these teams have it and they, it's not a huge free agency class either. Right. So I think they're no. just grabbing who they can. That is the so far biggest deal. Real quick, we'll, we'll run through the tight ends because I think we can group them all together. Jesse James, Uzma, back with the Bengals. Croft, no longer with the Bengals, off to the Buffalo Bills. And basically say this, Chris, they're all those mid-level tight end twos that you hope you score a touchdown. They could fill in for you if you, you know, you got a matchup that you think is a good chance for a touchdown or maybe 60, 70 yards. But uh, that's about it, and that's the state of the tight end landscape right yeah. now yeah i mean you said it right there i'm not gonna get too excited about jesse james in detroit well the thing is too he blocked almost 50 percent of the time for the steelers and i'm not saying the lions are bringing him in and giving that money to use in the same way but part of his appeal is his ability to stay on the field because he's a good blocker and what has patricia tried to do last year is start to give this offense more balance and more running especially with carry on johnson and you bring in somebody like jesse james who could do both my point being, and what I said in the articles, I don't think we're going to get Eric Ebron numbers from him because that's not going to be his, like, he's not going to be out there going for a passing route every single time he's on the field. Right. No, I agree. Exactly. And Patricia's, he's bringing in every single former Patriot he could possibly bring in and, and touching on some other good teams like, uh, you know, Pittsburgh Steelers and Jesse James. I, 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 yeah, I'm in agreement there as well. I think, you know, we'll start to see some more balance from them um, next year. Detroit, Detroit's interesting. Bringing Amendola. It's all I got. It's like it's like yeah, you, you moved on from Golden State, bringing Amendola. It's like okay, just for, yeah, for fantasy purposes, we don't care. Nah, we don't. We don't care. Just care about Galladay. And do you know how many touchdowns Amendola had last year? Oh man, did he have one? He had one. <laughs> he had one. Okay, had was one. that like? I feel like that could have came really, really early in the season, or I missed it in like week sixteen or something. Oh, I don't even know what week it was. All I know is. <laughs> All I know is he led the team in receiving with 59 receptions and 575 yards. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Good for him. <laughs> no, this, somebody else was offered a contract in Miami. Who? Oh, I read it this morning. It was Bridgewater. It was. Oh, yeah. And he turned Miami. it down to go yeah, return like, to the Saints. And Miami is, they're a complete mess. Well, they're I mean. Absolute mess what would you do would you go to Miami or potentially take over the freaking Saints? Yeah. That's true. Although, is Drew Brees going anywhere anytime soon? I, I told you I thought he was going to retire if they won the Super Bowl. Yeah, you, you may have been right. I think I, mean, I, I, I honestly... question to come back now, though. Yeah, this kind of feels like this might be it for him this year, whether it's they fail again or, you know, just it starts to... Pe- like, I just... I, I have a feeling like this is it. Um, by the way, the one touchdown was against the Lions in Week Seven. Nice. The example—that's all he needed to see was the one touchdown. Do you remember that game Amendola had against us? We gotta go get that guy. Oh man, some of these organizations like they just—they really blow my mind. They—they they really do. It's like the Jets think... bringing a coach that has had no success inside the division. Uh, let's keep him inside the division, um, and yeah, let's see what we can get out of him. It's just. It's... <laughs> I actually, real quick, 
I think it could help Stafford a little bit, get back to fantasy relevance, because let's not forget, he was his QB1 every single year, and all of a yeah, sudden... He, hands, so good, so yeah, he went to, you don't even want him last year. I think he could at least get back into the conversation. I agree. I agree there. Especially with, you got Kenny Galladay, and I mean, I mean look at it. He like, traded away Golden Tate, lost Marvin Jones. They had nobody. Kenny Galladay had in the nobody, yeah. yeah. No tight ends. They're, they're, they're either worst or second to worst in like basically every tight end statistic last year. So Yeah, they watched Ebron leave and have like a career season. It's like, man, we couldn't figure that out. So Yeah, well, what the heck. Uh, I think we're going to stay at wide receiver because Frank Gore, hey, it's cool that he's still alive and running the ball, but we don't really care, right? <laughs> Man, what's going on there? He's what is he? Thirty six. McCoy's over thirty. Okay. Got Ivory there. He's over thirty. This guy's like so, ninety five years old. Oh, you're off. You're off because it's he'll what be thirty. It? He'll be thirty six on May fourteenth. Chris yeah. Ivory, who's probably gonna get cut, is gonna yes. get. He's gonna be thirty one on the twenty second, and Lashawn McCoy is going to be thirty one on the twelfth. So if they were all on the roster opening day, you're talking about ninety eight eight years of running backs on this team. <laughs> I shorted them a couple of years. Yeah. Uh, they almost have I a actually, I love the gif that you have in your in your article. I, oh, the old man running. The old man running. Yeah, that's Frank Gore, man. The, I and I'm you know I'm close to Buffalo, so I'm in a chat with a couple Bills fans, and I and I reported it. I said Frank Gore to to Buffalo, like just kind of go away, like a joke there. And one guy was like, "Oh, that's not bad. I don't mind it. Running behind Lashawn McCoy, that's pretty good." It's like what? It's like come on, man. If you're a Bills fan, you can't be excited about that. It's just blah. It's just boring. <laughs> uh i guess you know one old man goes down you got another one to step right in here yeah, what the hell yeah. all right let's talk wide receivers because there's a few more as we finish this off and uh get to some prospect talk with emory hunt that's who's following you today nice. so yeah you you have to set up the big dog here so jameson crowder is the one of all these i feel is the most intriguing at least from a fancy perspective because we'll, we'll touch on the others we'll a combination of two things happened for somebody else you already mentioned on this show, which I'm kind of mad because you jumped the gun. But Jameson Crowder with the Jets, uh, we know what the effectiveness and the appeal was of the slot wide receiver for the Jets, and that was whether Darnold or anybody else was at quarterback last year. Uh, but the thing was, is if you look at Jermaine Curse, dropped a lot of those passes. Jameson Crowder doesn't have such an issue, and Jameson Crowder has been very appealing when healthy. He missed a lot last year, was banged up the year before, but we get 16 games of Jameson Crowder. I mean, you saw it, I said in the article. I think we could talk about a wide receiver, too, with Sam Darnold this second season and this offense, but the downside is pushing Quincy Inouye outside with Robbie Anderson. Uh, goodbye, Quincy Inouye value. Yeah, goodbye, Quincy Nuno, for sure. As a dynasty owner, you know, it was excited at one point, and, you know, it tailed off. He, was, he got hurt. We just didn't know what would happen for him next year. And now knowing that they bring in Jameson Crowder, it's a, a, a huge downgrade, I'd say, to Quincy. And for Jameson Crowder, you're right. Yeah, wide receiver, too. I mean, probably somebody that, you know, if you drafted him last year and you drafted him the year before, towards the end of the season, he was hurt. People may actually shy away from it. No, I'm not drafting Jamison Crowder again. You know, they'll, they'll actually say that. They'll say, screw that. Yeah. Jamison Crowder is always hurt. But when he plays and he's consistent, you're right. Um, and I believe in, in Darnold. I, actually, I'm one of the few who I think he can be a decent quarterback in, in the NFL. So I, I, the Jets are spending some money. I'm, I'm unsure if they're going to be able to figure it all out i feel like they, they will pull a jets and they'll make a couple mistakes i'm not super excited about this deal but jameson crowder if he's healthy if you tell me right now jake he's gonna play 16 games he's someone i'm definitely gonna target in ppr leagues and i think he can get back to close to you know flirting with 
800, 900, maybe even a thousand yards over a hundred targets. Like that, that's possible with Jameson Crowder if he has a full season. It's just, it is a huge if, and everyone knows that. Yeah, I think so as well. I'm with you on that. So uh, I think that's even more appealing is what you said is screw that. I'm not drafting that guy. Yeah, people get, yeah, because people get burned and that's it. That's the end of it. They don't want anything to do with them anymore. And that's often where you find the best values is because Absolutely. you, know, you got to have, you got to be like a closer in fantasy baseball. You got to have a short term memory and get over things, get over it. Uh, another slot guy. So this is one I'm less excited about. And not because, he, and if you saw my article, as you mentioned, Chris, you saw that I said, it's not that I don't believe in Adam Humphreys. It's not that I don't believe in his breakout year and what happened. And he's only going to be 26 in June. He's still a young dude. People, I, I seemingly people feel like he's been in the league for a lot longer than he has been. It was only his fourth season. Yeah, so I was actually a little bit surprised to hear 26 as well. I was like, really? Yeah, it, it, does, it does feel that way. But in any case... The problem I have is not Humphreys. It's not his ability. It's not even the team. It's the team makeup and what to expect in this offense and whether or not they open things up more next year. Still, I don't see the 105 targets coming. And yes, maybe he still catches almost 73% of his balls because he is Adam Humphreys and he only had one drop out of catchable passes. So credit to Adam Humphreys. So it's still... Even to get to the 100 targets, I'm looking at this offense led by Corey Davis still in the wide receiver core, and you look at the rest of it, Delaney Walker comes back, huge question mark. I even mentioned that in the article, but you still have Tywan Taylor and Tajay Sharp, and maybe if it's not Walker, it's going to be Jonathan Smith. I just don't see somebody else besides Corey Davis eclipsing 100 targets, and with that in mind, I think that's what makes it hard for Humphreys to replicate, which makes him a fine wide receiver three, but let's not forget, he was wide receiver 24 in PPR last year. What a season from Adam Humphreys. That was a good season from him last year. And again, I'm in agreement as well. I mean, this is probably why you have me on the show. I agree with all your takes. Um, but yeah, over 100 targets last season. This is a team that is just, it's not appealing from a fantasy standpoint. It's the same thing. I, I, I can't give Marcus Mariota the benefit that he's going to be able to turn it around and figure things out. But at the same time, he's needed somebody like Adam Humphreys. He's need, he needs somebody that is reliable, has some good hands. Because at times watching the Titans last season, you know, when Taylor's wide open or Sharp's wide open, or whether it's Smith, like they're, I, I kind of blamed the wide receivers. I blamed the pass catchers. They were dropping balls. Yeah, sure. Mariota was having some issues for, for, from his own standpoint and some of his inaccuracy. Like he's got, he's got some things to really figure out, but he needed somebody to bring in another weapon. Maybe this helps him, but with Tampa Bay, their defense was so bad. They were throwing the football so much like over and over and over again. And you look at how Tennessee, Tennessee finished last season with, with Henry, maybe they run, maybe they, maybe they saw something last year and they want to run the football a little bit more to start the year um, in 2019. So that would be this slight downgrade for Humphreys, but PPR formats, maybe he can get back to that wide receiver three range. You said borderline two, which is crazy to think about, but he was very, very consistent last year down the stretch. Uh, and I know what you want to talk about later on is, you notice guys oh, no. are all of a sudden leaving from Tampa. They're leaving. <laughs> We're going to get to that in a second. <laughs> One quick question for you. Yeah. Is this going to get you a little bit intrigued with Marcus Mariota again? No, are you going back no, to that no. I, I, no, I'm definitely not going to go back. <laughs> no, I can't, can't do it. Can't do it. And that's we're talking when we're talking about Crowder. It's like can't do it. This is different. Is is totally. There's so many quarterbacks now. You know this. I mean, there's just so many, and they're tight knit that I just there's no reason for me <laughs> to want to go back to to Humphreys. The, actually, the only guy that I have interest in, and I'll probably get trapped up, is is Derrick Henry. Like. I do have some interest in him seeing 
We'll see where he ends up in drafts. If I can get him in the fourth or fifth, I don't know if that's going to be possible or not. I'll be excited about that, but that's it. Like no Corey Davis either. Like not even Corey. And it's not even you Davis. It's not even you, Corey. I understand the skill set. It's the way this offense is run. What, what will it be? It will be a third It'll be a third, right? New offensive coordinator for Marcus Mariota in like four years. Like I know, and that's why. Like part of me is like, I feel bad for the guy. Yeah, man, it's another. Because <laughs> I mean, he had it through college. Too. Like this guy, I don't know that he's has he played in offense more than two years in a row at all. That's what I mean. Like it's just, uh, I want to give him the benefit of the doubt with some of his past catchers and the way that they've brought in new blood and trying to figure it out. I can't figure it out. Like. So I, I'm the whole Titan squad. Basically, I'll I'll be off of them. They don't score a lot of points. They don't move the ball. Like the offense is not great. Um, they rely on their defense. They play in the low scoring games. It'll be good that they get Delaney Walker back. And again, this is a good addition for Mariota. It's just he he needs to prove himself. Man, I think that's like it, it might even be four different offensive coordinators in, in four years for this guy. And the NFL, are you including college too? In college, it definitely I'm, is. Yeah, yes. I, I've lost track of how many people, like offenses he's had to deal with. Oh, <laughs> and that's man. the thing. I feel like, I feel like if everything's looking good and it gets to August, I'm gonna be like, uh, oh, Mariota in the thirteenth round. All right, fine. I'm gonna do it. <laughs> like I could just see myself doing it. Yeah, Wisenhut, 2014-15, Malarkey, and then Vrabel. Like it's just he's had. He, oh man, like Lafleur. Yeah, Lafleur. Like he just. There's been so much interchange it's it's hard to even get across yeah it's really hard to get across one if Mariota's even any good all right well speaking of additions that do help the quarterback let's also talk about Deshaun Jackson going back to your team he's back home after complaining on Instagram like every that's what we do nowadays when I want to pay raise I'm going to Instagram so everybody watched it I'm gonna live athletic used to pay me more and I'm gonna go to you know like yeah we'll see that works I'll be fired um Deshaun Jackson it, like this is great for Carson Wentz. He needs this, and, and credit to Warren Sharp. I actually embedded his tweet where he talked about the fact that this is the perfect matchup for quarterback skill and wide receiver, and what the quarterback was lacking in Carson Wentz is needing somebody like Deshaun Jackson. And the, the Eagles have been looking for this. I mean, Mike Wallace was brought in for this reason and got hurt basically at the start of the season. But I think the good thing is, yeah, helps Wentz. Wentz can get back into that top five quarterback conversation we were considering before. On the flip side, I don't think this is anything different of Deshaun Jackson. Like, best ball, sign me up. Seasonal, I don't want anything to do with it because I'm not trying to guess his five good games. Yeah, you wrote it exactly perfectly in your article. And good on Warren Sharp. If you haven't seen, like, check out that tweet. It's very, I just love information like that, routes running, like the, the type of routes that these wide receivers run and, these, and the success these quarterbacks have um, with that play calling. So you're right. Deshaun Jackson is what he is. He's been like that for years. He can get to 800. Maybe he can push 1,000 yards to score four to six touchdowns, some deep threats. He's a great GPP play in tournaments. He's a great best ball play. And if you still play in standard leagues with no half point for reception, he's a decent flyer there as well. And, yeah, it's good. They haven't had – you're right. They brought in Mike Wallace. It didn't work out. Torrey Smith, like, to an extent a couple years ago, was fine. I mean, they won a Super Bowl with him. But, they like, that was the plan when they brought him in, a couple deep shots down the field. This is still – um, one of the best deep ball players in the game. Yards per yeah. catch. I mean, he's I mean, right he was regularly getting, yeah, he's getting behind people with ease last yes, year. It's just definitely. the fact that the chemistry was, and I don't think the chemistry was ever really there with Winston the entire time he was with the Buccaneers. Like, it was 
somewhat, but it just it wasn't at the level that you wanted to be for what Deshaun Jackson could bring. And then, of course, last year with the quarterbacks going back and forth and an inconsistent play, and it's this week it's Fitzgerald, next week it's Winston. So, you know, again, this is, goes back to the, the great fit there. And we're not going to the next one because we're saving it for last because I want to get to it. So we'll real quickly touch on Devin Funches. You and I, before we came on the show, we're talking about this, and I, I was saying, I don't think it's that bad of it. Everybody's like, oh, my God, Devin Funch is $13 million. Well, first of all, $13 million is the max, and I know the men isn't that far behind it. But also, we're talking about the Indianapolis, Indianapolis Colts who had like $150 million or some ridiculous cap number. <laughs> like yeah. they, If they wanted to, they could have signed like the top 10 free agents with their cap room. But they're looking for the number two. And I honestly, everybody knows who have followed me since last year's draft. I'm a Deion Kane fan. And I had Deion Kane on a ton of teams last year because I thought he could be the number two if what didn't happen happened. And the fact that he got hurt, so he missed the entire season. There's still hope for him, but that's a big question to come off an injury, never have gotten even your rookie season under your belt. So I understand the signing. And let's be honest, Devin Funches was relevant a couple years ago when Cam Newton, as I mentioned in the article, only threw 3,300 yards and 22 touchdowns, and he still finished with 848. He's a touchdown-based player, but that could be a wide receiver four if he puts that lineup with Andrew Luck, who's going to throw for 5,000 yards and probably close to 35, 40 touchdowns. Yeah, oh yeah. Any questions you had about Luck were completely answered. So bring in another weapon for him and, you know, one that he can target inside the red zone. And, you know, this is, it's, it's a win. It's, it's not, it's probably not what, you know, if you have Luck or you're a Colts fan and, you know, you have him in Dynasty, it's, it's not what you wanted. You, you wanted something maybe a little bit more appealing. We talked about Williams. Uh, I don't know if we talked about him on air last week, but you and I have had some conversations about Tyra Williams. So, um, you know, I, it's not going to happen, but for Funches, yeah, I would have loved that too. Yeah, that would have been great. Um, but for, you look at Luck. I mean, he threw the ball a ton last year. You're right, five thousand yards. Uh, you know, Funches had he had some good he had some good games over the past couple of years. You're right, he stepped in and and he was fine. And you know, last year he was he was hurt, right? He he towards the end of the season was it was a complete write off for him altogether. He couldn't stay on the football field. He wasn't healthy, so. It's not, a, it's not a bad weapon. It's a lot of money, but you're right, man. These teams that have it, spend it. Like, and it's one year. If yeah. It bombs, like, if it yeah. bombs like the Dante exactly. Moncrief experience with, the, with the Jaguars. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. So, so, so what? You tried. And all these people are like, oh, Jacksonville, like, you're, oh, you're ridiculous. Respect. Again, I go back to that with the fools. Like, they have the money. It shouldn't matter to you guys on the outside. <laughs> they have the money. It's just on the owner. Like, no, that's the, it. the fans that should be concerned is when you see the Redskins getting yes. Landon Collins. That, that, those are the fans that should be like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, to take these one-year shots. Like, sure, you talk about Max. Like, to take the one-year, you know, shot on Devin Funches, a team that just made the playoffs. You have Andrew Luck, right? So for Funches, he's a big body, man. Six foot four. Like you can't take that away from him. He's a threat in the red zone. He'll he'll probably be looked at, relied on on third down rolls, perhaps, you know. So I'm okay with this. I'm not super excited from a fantasy standpoint, but it's it's a lot people are like hating on a way too much no a hundred percent all right last one and real quick before we do and i say this one laughs and he has nothing to do he didn't do anything in free agency it's the impact of the guys around him which chris has alluded to twice now but i i don't <laughs> we, we crapped on the steelers a lot i want to say one thing uh, i just saw this it actually happened almost an hour ago of recording this podcast but i just saw the news 
uh, that the Steelers announced Ryan Shazier's contract has been pulled through into the 2019 season. So he's going to be making the minimum, but he's still under contract for all the crap the Steelers have been getting. And there, there's problems with Ben Roethlisberger. The front office is doing right by Ryan Shazier. And I want to give the Steelers at least a little bit of credit for that. Yes, absolutely. I echo that too. Um, that's, that's good stuff. And, you know, maybe this isn't, uh, we don't get too much into it, but maybe it isn't the Steelers' problem, right? I mean, guys are just, they're divas. They really are. And we're seeing that firsthand with Antonio Brown. I'm sure that was a lot to deal with over the past couple of years inside that, uh, you know, locker room. Uh, your boy Jordan Hicks just signed with the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah. I like, I, I really like Jordan Hicks. I understand Eagles moving on from him and, and good for Hicks. I, you know, I wish him a lot of health because when he's on the football field, man, he is a ball hawk. He's unbelievable. He's a big part of why the Eagles have been so successful stopping the run. Like he is, I think he's one of the most underrated players um, on the defensive side of the football. So good on him. I hope it works out. Arizona I'm just, moves. They have, they have some money too. They're, they're spending it. I'm just annoyed as a Giants fan that the Eagles backup defensive line is as good as like half the league <laughs> starting offensive or defensive lines. I'm yes. yes. But the rotation they're, and this Giants, like I'm a Giants fan, so I'm gonna reference it. And you know what? It won them two Super Bowls. They're pulling the whole Giants thing. Where guess what? We rotate our guys in who stay fresh and are as good as the guys in front of them almost. And it's like it's just nonstop. Yeah, I, hey man, I, I don't know what to tell you. The Giants. <laughs> it's frustrating. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Uh, Giants. Hey, the Giants got an offensive line. That's gonna fix everything. <laughs> I'm still waiting to see how much money they overpay for Darrell Williams coming off a destroyed. Granted, he was one of the best right, right tackles in the league, but that's a huge question mark coming off an exploded knee. And I just, yeah. uh, I, uh, looking at the Collins deal now, like, how do you feel? Like, do you? It's a little bit better than the initial reports are. Yeah. But as but as a Giants fan, you feel okay, fine. Move. Oh yeah, that's fine. Yeah. But I still go back to two things with that. Is one is they could have traded him at the trade deadline, and I this you know I, I break this up from earlier in the show when I said the reports always come in afterwards. You notice how all of a sudden what a week ago nobody said anything at the trade deadline, nobody said anything during the season, nobody said anything at the end of the season, nobody said anything until last week when the Giants say they're not putting the franchise tag on Landon Collins and. All of a sudden, yeah. the Giants could have traded him for a first rounder at the trade deadline. Bull donkey. I don't believe you. Get the hell out of here. Could they have traded him for a third rounder? Probably. I'll buy that. I'll get with you. And they should have if that was the case. Because now, by signing people they need to fill holes, they're going to offset the compensation pick they would have got from him, which would have been a third rounder. So that's the problem. Is you know this was thinking ahead. You know, here's a perfect example: the Lions. Good on them for trading Golden Tate because they got a third rounder. All the signings they're making right now. They would have never got the third rounder because it would have been offset. So right. smart. Yeah. Very yeah, smart. smart. Good call. There's another guy who is, has really taken to social media over the past couple of years, Golden Tate. Like that guy is, um, you know, he's, he's not happy. Yeah, you know, I, I saw him tw- quote retweet the Eagles, I think, about a month ago. Like, I'm still here. Like, call me. Like, what's going on? And then PFF, I think they tweeted some stat out. I forget exactly what the stat was. Um, maybe something about his hands or, or running. And, and he um, – <laughs> same thing like you know call why am i still available like what do you guys are not lining up at the door to sign me um but yeah all these players taking to social media is very uh oh that's what he said he's like pro football focus no receiver forced more missed tackles after a catch oh, yeah. last season he said to take last season he's like well let's just leave this right here then <laughs> you know with the hands <laughs> up like come on guys <laughs> hey chris we have breaking news while we're doing the podcast yes love it 
What, what Somebody is signing with the Saints for four years. With the Saints? Oh, is it a running back? It is a running back. Oh, now I got to go. No, no, look. I want you to – you want to guess? Oh, man. Well, they're moving on from Ingram. <laughs> I don't – Throw it in there. Yeah. I don't know, man. Eh, wrong. You're not going to guess. Latavius Murray. I never would have got that. Fantasy life is hanging on. He's still relevant. <laughs> wow, Latavius. Okay, okay. Um, interesting. Yeah, I mean, still hanging on. You're right. I mean, he's going to – He's going he's gonna to get some play with the Saints. He's going to fall into the end zone a few times and score touchdowns. So, I mean. Look, the upside of healthy is Mark Ingram in that yeah. offense. That, that's the upside of healthy. The downside is, you know, he's an RB4. Oh, yeah, I'm going to be ta- like, I'm going to be interested to see. I feel like his draft value is going to be all over the map. You're going to get people that are saying, like, I am like, you know what? I'll even roll the dice on him as my RB3 if I have two strong running backs in front of him and, you know, whatever your situation may be. Or I'll take him as a four. Like, I just, I could see him going anywhere from, like, the sixth round to the 11th, depending yeah. on who you're drafting with. Yeah, I know. And, you know, that's where he went last year in the 11th. And I was, I was really in on him last year because of Cook and the injury and the success that he had as a starter, right? Eight touchdowns, almost 1,000 yards in 2017. Not a guy that's going to catch balls. Like, he's not going to catch balls like, like Ingram can. But um, right. to an extent, he's still, like, he still can if he's put into that role. He can still have, like, three or four catches a game if, he, like, if anything happened to Kamara or whatever. But, yeah, I mean – that's a, that's a good Look, spot for him. Here's how you him. know that's going to be all over the map because I guarantee you I'm going to hear comments, or we are, after the podcast of, oh, you're disrespecting Latavius Murray. And on the flip side, we're going to be like, no way he still has that kind of value. Like, you're going to get both. Yeah, I mean, you look at the last four years, four yards per carry, four, 3.9, 4.1. And again, last year I thought he was one of the better handcuffs because when Cook went down, we didn't get them – regularly like we had in 2017 but jake i'm looking at the game log right now there was a couple that really stood out 24 for 155 15 for 69 um 15 for 68 there were a couple games and five catches one game he had two two games he had five catches so there are some games there where cook wasn't around where he definitely was a solid rb2 and now with the saints it's it's possible he'll have he'll have some of those games again. he's getting four years 14.4 million Wow, where's Ingram going? I feel like the Eagles are—they need a running back. <laughs> I, that that makes a lot of sense. I think I feel like Ingram's gonna wait for Le'Veon Bell. I think that's not yeah. intentionally. I just right. feel like it's kind of like the baseball carousel for the offseason. Like if you well, which went the opposite direction this year with freaking Harper and Machado. But it's usually the other way around, where you're waiting for the big domino to fall so your value goes up because now you're the next. It's kind of like when a tier goes away in fantasy while you're drafting. It's like oh my god, that last person left in the tier. It's like, oh, yeah. the, the value start gets inflated. So, like, if Le'Veon Bell signs somewhere and maybe the Buccaneers or the, to your, you know, the Eagles or the Raiders or the Jets, you know, the the, Jets, he signs yeah. somewhere else. It's like, oh, crap. Now what do we do? It's going to be Tevin Coleman and Mark Ingram are going to see their value go up a little bit. Oh, yeah, Tevin Coleman. I saw reports are interested in Tevin Coleman. Jeez. See, so, unless, unless either one of them gets a significant offer, if I am them, I'm waiting for Bell to sign. Yeah, wait for Bell, and then and yeah, you'll probably see, you know get an increase from some team who who is desperate and wants you know missed out on Bell perhaps. And and before we get out of here, I know I, you know Emery's coming up, and don't want to waste too much time because he's amazing. Carlos Hyde is somebody I wanted to talk to you about, and there's a lot of I I get it. Like Williams was so good in KC, and uh, Carlos Hyde, he's brutal. But originally, I feel and there's still a lot of chips to fall. I feel like he might be the best handcuff in football. 
if anything happens to Williams, and, and that Carlos Hyde in that offense, are you kidding me? And nobody wants – I'm seeing all kinds of, like, just negative talk on, on social media, like, oh, Carlos Hyde stinks, he sucks. Like, oh, don't got to worry about Damian Williams' job anywhere. Like, we're just like a couple years removed from Carlos Hyde being really, really good. And he was pretty fine with Cleveland when he was touching the ball 20 times. You go put him inside Kansas City's offense when he touches the ball 15 to 20 times, should something happen to Williams? You have yourself a borderline RB1. I will be all over drafting Carlos Hyde everywhere last year, next this year, if he's going to be a late round flyer. I mean, everyone's see, and well, and I think you put it best though is what you called him. You said arguably the best handcuff in fantasy football, and that's what he is because the truth is Andy Reid, the majority of his career, the majority of his running backs handle the ball 80 percent of the time. It's yeah. not a timeshare, so. It's Damian Williams for now, and I think this is exactly what we expected if they believed in Damian Williams just to bring in somebody like Carlos Hyde. But to your point, you know, it's health when a running backs in general aren't a staple, and Damian Williams right. has been banged up before. So, you know, to have that, like, look, look what just happened last year. Damian Williams, it, the fact that we're talking about Damian Williams in the light that we are right. is because of this team <laughs> and this offense, as good as he is, it's – and I think – what, you know, when I talked to Emery about running backs today, and you and I even said this, is the running backs and wide receivers, especially this year, are going to swing in value so much depending on where they land. It's just going to be such yeah. a big factor. But I promised, and we still have – I know you said you wanted to bring up that, but we have to close it because I didn't get to bring him up. We have to bring him up. You mentioned before, it's Chris Godwin. Oh, and yeah, Godwin. Yeah. You know how much I love Chris Godwin and right have been – but yeah, banging is like if people who don't know has been saying this for three straight years. We've had an overlooked Penn State wide receiver coming into the draft, starting with Allen Robinson, and Chris Godwin's another one. And we saw last year splitting time with Deshaun Jackson essentially the entire year. The line that he still put up, and the fact that you look at Godwin finishing inside the top 30 of wide receivers, and now Adam Humphreys and Deshaun Jackson are gone, which equates to 179 targets, 117 receptions, and 1,590 yards and nine touchdowns are gone. No, not all of them are going to Chris Godwin, but cool. I am going to own as much Chris Godwin as I can. Unfortunately, I feel like everybody's going to be on the same boat. <laughs> yeah, everyone is. I, I think it was almost two months ago I tweeted wide receiver three, and you quote retweeted and said two, and I was like, Jake, yep. shut up because it's going to get all the traction. You know, I have this guy in a couple of dynasty leagues. I'm super excited if you can get him. Like, if you could just try to sneakily get him right now. I know, like, all this stuff is happening in Tampa Bay. I think he's a great target. I agree with you. I think he's a wide receiver, too. And last year, I, I was waiting for all of this to happen. I, you know, Pat Mayo and I drafted him in League of Leagues super, super late. I was telling him Jackson's not going to be with this team for long. I actually thought Jackson was going to get cut in last year. I thought maybe they would move on from him halfway through the year. He would just be gone. Now he's gone and Humphreys is gone. And, and you mentioned some of the numbers, you know, you know, last year. And I have him here right now in front of me. There's four games last season where he at least had 98 yards in the past two years when Jackson missed those games. So great hands, red zone target over the past couple of years. He's been one for Jameis Winston. There's tons of reasons to get excited about him. He's going to be a solid, solid wide receiver too. The defense is still going to have some issues. They're still going to throw the football a lot. Uh, yeah, man, Chris Godwin, side me up for him. I'm, I'm really excited. And back to Williams for a second. He's had two games in his NFL career where he's had at least 20 carries. Two! I'm not completely sold on, on Williams being a workhorse back through you know, 
all all of next year. But anyways, Chris Godwin, yeah, draft him. But um, real quick before we get out of here, yeah, uh, I don't. Do you know who AB eighty nine X on Twitter is? AB he's got eighty one thousand followers. He's no. only t- tweeted two hundred seventy seven times. Um, he just tweeted. Congrats, Le'Veon Bell, on getting that money. Going to let him tell you the team. And I only saw it because Michael Fabiano retweeted it. He is verified. I don't know who this is. He's got, he's got a picture. Uh, who is that? I can't tell. It's a Buccaneers uniform, number 89. That is not the current number in 89 because the current number in 89, I think, is a long snapper. Yeah, I'm actually um, on the Bucks, you know, team page right now. They don't have an 89. Who um, is this? Yeah, they have an 89. Is, is it Antonio uh, Bryant? Danborn, is it, but that's not who that is. Antonio, was Antonio Bryant number 89? Yeah, I don't know who that is. It's weird, but yeah, congrats. Love Bell, I'm seeing you now on getting that money. Going to let him tell you the team. Yeah, what the hell's going on? Oh, on. man, would it be the Bucks? Could it if, be the Bucks? I'm saying, was Antonio Brown number 89? That's what I'm checking. Antonio Bryant was, where is it? Let's see. Antonio Bryant, no, he wore number 19. Hold on. We're doing like research as we look at this. <laughs> I'm really kind of curious now. Uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Antonio With Bryant. Buccaneers? Yeah. So it must be Antonio Bryant. Yeah. Look at that. We figured it out. A, a B, it makes sense. What do you mean, we? You, you barely did <laughs> I looked it up. I saw the picture right here. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, he's getting screwed out on the sidelines. Um, it, I didn't realize. See, the thing that was throwing me off is I didn't realize they had those uniforms as long as they did. Yeah. After some sideline fireworks, Atlanta head coach Mike White is <laughs> yelling at Antonio Bryant. Um, yeah, interesting. And he's going to the box, bud. You called it. He's I going to the so. box. Awesome. It's going to be super fun. I'm going to take him first overall. It's like, I'll tell you who I'm not taking first overall. Todd Gurley. Oof. Yeah, we're going to have to talk about that. Oh, man. I got him in a dynasty league. I just I need to move on. <laughs> I take whatever I, I You can't right now. You can't. I, if I could get Juju from him, I'll do that. Yeah, I, I don't know if I would. I still think you're selling a little low. I know. Man, I'm worried. I know. It, it's definitely it's not actually a, a good buy low opportunity in dynasty. Like, you want to take the risk? Like, you can get Todd Gurley. I didn't know another guy in a dynasty league. Like he just wants to get whatever he can right now for Todd Gurley, and that's the panic mode I think for a lot of people. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Enjoy that, Chris Meany. All <laughs> <laughs> oh, Matt, Chris Meany. And did I get everything before the whole athletic fan tracks? Everything you did, you were right on top of all of it, man. All right, and we'll be back Thursday. Uh, with some more free agency. That's why we're coming back twice this week. So make sure we get some of that. Maybe we'll talk some talk early. And then a special guest, uh, Brad Ziegler, will be on Thursday as well. So there's another one you got to set up. You got to be well, you know, like do a good performance because you're getting followed up by a big person. Whew. I know. Big shoes to fill. I love it. It's going to be a good show. Yeah. He'll throw an underhand ball right into your side ribs if you, if you mess up. <laughs> I will. All right, for the second half of today's show, one of my favorite people to talk to, uh, one of the nicest people to help me out at the Combine this year for my first ever experience that I'm sure you guys read about. It's Emery Hunt. You follow him at F-Ball Game Plan. He is – you know what? I was going to do a whole – your intro. And I'll let you do it because you do your intro better than anybody else. So why don't you tell everybody, Emery, where to follow, the fact that you're the czar – everything that they need to know. 
<laughs> well, I appreciate that, man. They can follow me on Twitter at FBall Game Plan. Always subscribe to the Football Game Plan Network located at youtube.com slash football game plan where you can get all of our updated NFL draft and football content, video content, unlike anywhere else you'll find on your internet. Yeah, in case you guys want to know, Emery sent me a picture of, I think, like a chair stack worth of books and notebooks. And what did you say, 700 players that you had this year? Just 700? 767, man. It was more than I've done the last two years combined. Well, not combined, last two years. That's insane. So for for purposes, it, he, he won't tell you, but the joke we were talking about at the combine is like, he's like, yeah, when people in the AAF and people are like, oh, who's that guy? It's like, hey, let me go pull up the draft profile I had because I profile everybody. Like the people that don't even get combine invites and then the ones that don't even like people care about their pro days and then the ones even out. Like that's how far Emery's going. So if you want to follow somebody that knows what the hell he's talking about, make sure you're doing that. So I want to jump into running backs. I have a feeling we're going to have to talk a couple times because there's no way we can get running backs, wide receivers, everybody in on the show. So let's talk running backs first. And right off the top, I want to start with Daryl Henderson because I was exceptionally high. I was very excited to see you have him very high up in your rankings. Uh, I got to talk to him a little bit at the Combine. Uh, but the biggest concern I think people have, Emery, is the school. And it's like, all right, well, fine. You average almost yard, eight yards per carry, but... Look at where you're coming from. Look at where you played. So we've had one really good example of a running back from Memphis before, D'Angelo Williams, but what was your takeaway from him and for the people who are saying, ah, well, he's, he played at Memphis? Well, you have to look at what he does extremely well, better than anyone in this draft class, and that's hit the home run, whether that's full-fledged touchdown or the, the fact that he's averaging 8.9 yards a carry. And, and here's the thing. It's the – it's a great situation for him because you can compare him to his, his backup who he had, I want to say maybe eight or nine more carries in him. So they both were around at 215, 220 carry mark and his backup, Tony Pollard, who's a, a solid draft prospect in his own right. Went over a thousand yards, averaged 5.4 yards a carry and scored 11 touchdowns. Uh, Henderson averaged uh, Henderson ran for nearly 2,000 yards, 8.9 yards a carry, and 22 touchdowns. So that tells you right there in the same offense a different level of explosiveness. And when you talk about everyone's favorite uh, number one running back, they want to talk about Josh Jacobs. Jacobs only had one carry this year over 20 yards. The uh, Daryl Henderson, I want to say, had 26. So that's that tells you, you know, like this is a guy that's a legit home run waiting to happen after every – each and every time he touches the ball. So why wouldn't you want that guy on your offense? Why wouldn't you want him on your football team and, and giving him carries because he legitimately has a chance to go to distance each and every play despite only running a 4-5? or five. And I don't care what the 40 time says. When you watch his film, you think he runs a 4-2. So his play speed is faster than his time speed. And his, his production this year at Memphis definitely backs up that claim and shows that he's, in my eyes, a, a premier talent at the position. All right. Well, then, two quick follow-up questions with him before we get to the next person. With, let's say he comes out and runs a 4-4 or even a, like a 4-3-8 on his pro day. Uh, what kind of stock do you put in the difference between you know, his pro day being more comfortable or like is it pay attention to the combine when somebody does better at their pro day or do you really – concern yourself much with either 
pay attention to the tape whenever when it comes to scouting. <laughs> I knew you were going to say it. because people always people always <laughs> you know this is a this is a tough thing to say in, in this era because everyone is so metrics driven and people have made you know a, a huge industry off compiling numbers and putting together unique numbers to really justify their point. That's all it really is is justification analysis. You know you can create any metric to say what you wanted to say. And, you know, statistics are always subjective. But when you watch this guy play, you'd be hard pressed. Even if you didn't know anything about football and you watch him juxtaposed to, let's say, a Josh Jacobs, and I hate to keep comparing it to, but you just watch him versus Josh Jacobs. You put both guys' highlights on and you say, man, I want this dude from Memphis. It seems like every time he touches the ball, he's scoring a touchdown or, or ripping off a long run. So trust what you see. Your eyes never lie. Don't believe justification analysis that's created numbers to say what they want them to say because those same statistics and metrics are the same ones that's telling you that running backs don't matter, that, uh, you know, so-and-so quarterback is is not as good as – like Dwayne Haskins' accuracy is not as accurate as accurate can be, like whatever. All I see is him completing the ball on target. All I see is Henderson scoring from – many yards away and ripping off long <laughs> runs well and, and real quick you kind of you jumped into it anyway i was going to say you mentioned on the same team yeah somebody you can compare them to and i was going to say you say you know don't let trust what your eyes see and i was going to say for that exact example is you have the proof in front of you on the same team and people still want to try and poke holes and doubt and figure out ah well you know this this and that and the other thing and but to your point like you said on the same team you have your comparison for you. So let's go the reverse way for right now and say somebody that you're not a high. And I, I'm, for everybody that doesn't know, I'm picking out people so far that Emery or myself or somebody I need to dig into that I haven't enough and Emery has, obviously, uh, is different from what you've seen or the norm. And the next person and why I said is because I have yet to see somebody that hasn't ranked David Montgomery inside the top five. For reference sake, uh, you, Emery doesn't even have him inside the top 15. So tell me what you're seeing differently than everybody else. Uh, for people that don't know, a lot of people are saying he's, you know, just a safe play, gets his own yards, has good, you know, vision and all. But, you know, do we really want safe in the NFL? Is that your issue? <laughs> I mean, here's, I guess my personal philosophy is that I want threats at every offensive position. I've always had that mindset, even when I played. I want to be a threat. I want everyone on the offensive side of the ball at the skill position to be feared, you know, and if you can't do that, then you fall in line with 95% of the football players that play football. And it's not a knock. People say this and may take it as a knock, but you know, it's your average football player and average doesn't mean terrible. It just means that, you know, out of a hundred guys, 98% of these guys play about the same, you know, you can <laughs> plug and play, so to speak. So, for me, Montgomery is, is that guy. I think he's more Pierre Thomas than Doug Martin, you know. So I, I think he's he has good vision. You know, he has a little bit of, of wiggle that could where he can, you know, create yards, but he doesn't have the explosiveness to to back it up. And, you know, to to let's say to look at a, a comparison, and I keep, I keep bringing his name up, um, but it's, he's like the – the test study for how people are viewing this position and are looking at it from a different way. Um, you look at Josh Jacobs of Alabama 
and what people love about him. Oh, he could make the first guy miss. He got sick agility. Now you look at him juxtaposed to Georgia's soon-to-be starter this year and DeAndre Swift. Same agility, except when you look at what Swift is able to do after that first guy missed, he's able to hit the home run and explode through tacklers and explode down the field and rip off uh, big runs. Uh, Jacobs can't do that. Montgomery can't do that. And so, right. yeah, he probably make the first guy miss, but it's going to – it's you know, it, look at it this way. In this day and age of college football and the spread offense, um, I'll pull up the stats right here, but this day and age of, of college football and the spread offense, a guy that's averaging – you know, what four and a half yards a carry or something like that. You want, you want, um, you know that guys are averaging. He he averaged this year four point seven yards a carry. That was great in nineteen ninety five, but now <laughs> in two thousand nineteen, where well, everybody's averaging at least five point three because you're running all these spread offenses. Um, for you to average five four point seven last year it was four point four. I mean, at the end of the day, that's uh, nothing not in college. <laughs> right. Exactly. You know, so it's great that he was able to handle the volume. And he's, he shows a, a good nose for the end zone. That's why I have him in my top 20. And, you know, he's only a half point behind a guy like Miles Sanders. So I do like his game. I just think that people putting him in a top five without any trump card of a trait is, is not doing their scouting, uh, you know, a good service. It's funny you say that because that's who I'm going to next is talk about Miles Sanders. And I kind of feel like, and before I, you know, we get into Sanders specifically, uh, Sanders and Montgomery kind of feel like those. Uh, somebody, I'll, I'll give you this, I'll go this way with it. A few years ago, this running back, when he was coming out, I called him the James Jones of running backs. And I said, why I used that a lot back in the day is because James Jones to me was somebody that does everything well. Like he's good at this. He's good at this. He's good. But it's not, there's nothing that's like, wow, he really amazes me at this. Wow. He's really good. You know, all that. So I look at it and I said this about TJ Yeldon as a running back. I was like, you know what? TJ Yeldon, he's good. He's good here. He's good there. He's, he's fine, but he doesn't wow me in any one area. And I kind of feel like Montgomery and Miles Sanders are in that same boat. And I see if you get that. I want to say if your opinion is the same on Sanders, because the one counter argument I got a lot of pushback, at least so far, is, well, Miles Sanders always had to face at least one extra defender in the box. Yeah, I, I mean, here's the thing. Good back supersede adequate offensive line play and, and you know, uh, bad offensive line play. Sanders is good, but you saw the difference between him and Barkley. You know, right. Barkley better. Sanders can catch. Sanders has good agility. He just doesn't have the you know the explosiveness that you want to see. So I, I think when you look when you look at guys like Miles Sanders and David Montgomery, to me, they're more along the lines of what you look for in RB twos. You know, guys that can probably succeed in four minute offense. Like Montgomery, you you want to turn to him to close out a game. That's fine. Uh, Miles Sanders is a guy that can come in be an RB two take a series or two away from the starter and also help you out on third downs as a receiver um, because he's so good in that area. But as far as down to down starter, you want a guy at that position that provides some level of threat. And I don't think he does that. That's fair. That's fair. What do you do when, and you know, this is somebody like yourself who's played the position when you get people pushing back and saying things like, well, you have to take into account 
you know, who he was facing every week. Oh, well, and for Sanders case, it's not even so much the defenses is go back to, like I said, as well, he always had one extra defender in the box because I'm trying to, I, I don't, I don't want to cue you to say it, but I remember something that you said about when there's eight in the box and stacking the box and that it's actually a myth that it's a bad thing because running backs love it. I was trying to get, trying to get you to go there. Yeah. That, that, I mean, that's, that's the thing. Here's, here's what people don't get when, when they say stack the box. Yeah, all right, cool. As a running back, now I easily know who I have to beat. When you when you don't have the, the full-fledged, quote-unquote, stack box, it, you kind of have to figure out who's the guy that I have to beat uh, if it's blocked correctly or if it's if you know one guy misses a guy but go gets another guy, am I responsible for, they, for that guy? But if, a, if it's an obvious run situation and teams know I'm getting the ball and, you know, I, I see where – the uh, the defender is on you know within the box that I am responsible for. I now know. Ooh, okay, cool. I can make that guy miss and is off to the races. You look at a lot of big runs um, over the last couple seasons, and again, I'm not saying statistically, but if you look at a lot of the big runs that have happened in the league, count how many guys are in the box. I, I think one run that comes to mind, a couple of runs, and both were by Adrian Peterson. You know, I want to say when he was with the Vikings, he had a big run against the Raiders. Uh, when they had nine in the box, he broke the first wave, and it's a it's a house call. You look at the one last year against the Redskins. Uh, I'm sorry, against uh, I want to say it was the Cowboys or Eagles, the Eagles. Where he cut back, and there was no one in in that uh, in the cutback lane, and he all he had to do was just cut it back, make that one guy miss that was responsible for that gap, and he was able to hit the home run. So that right there tells you all you need to know about stack boxes. Plus, if you are a great back, you're not even worried about the guy that's, that you're seeing at the first level. Uh, Marshall Falk said this best. It's not even about the first guy. Great backs already know they're going to make the first and second guy miss. They're already working on the third level. So, <laughs> you know, you, you're supposed to make the first guy miss. That's a given. Um, I'm not saying, obviously, there's, you know, uh, situations where you can't make the first guy miss. We're not saying every time, but more often than not, you're not worried about the first guy at the line of scrimmage. You're already working on the second and third level. So, unless you're Trent Richardson, uh, <laughs> well, you look at again, Miles, <laughs> guy that really has to, you know, he has the wiggle, he has some elusiveness, but some guys don't, which is what you see in Chicago, which is why they're looking for another <laughs> back. All right, hold on, let's talk about you brought it up, and like so, Benny Snell was further down this list, and we were going to get to him, but. Let's stop there real quick because you brought up Jordan Howard and the Bears as somebody who's just, hey, guess what? Run straight ahead and see what you can do. And they're pretty much, for all intents and purposes, telling us that he's out the door by the rumors and the signing of Mike Davis. But they're rumored to have been looking at Benny Snell. And you know this because I texted it to you. And you're the one who said the first part to me when he said he's just another Jordan Howard. Well, if he's Jordan Howard 2.0, what the hell are the Bears thinking of Benny Snell? And what the heck... Do people think they see in Benny Snell that there are supporters out there for him? Well, they see a guy that was productive, hella productive at Kentucky, and he did it at quote unquote Kentucky. It is not necessarily known as a, a football power, but you know, the fact that they leaned on him and he was able to produce. And Benny Snell to me is a, another one of these guys where you look at, you know, his game and okay, when things are blocked well and, and things are are perfect. He's gaining yards, and he's in the, and he averaged a little bit more than than uh, 
David Montgomery, he was averaging five yards even to carry throughout his career, three straight 1,000-yard seasons. So they see that production, and they see the, he's 5'11", 230, so he's got you know a good build, good sturdy build. He's productive. He doesn't get injured. But when you watch him play, you notice you saw his 4'7 speed out there on the field. Now, speed right. isn't anything, but what is this trump card? What is it that makes you say, okay, Benny Snell is, is exactly what I want? And that's the same thing with Jordan Howard. I'm not saying Jordan Howard is terrible. I'm just saying that Jordan Howard is a guy that, yes, he can get what's blocked, as most backs can. He proves to be a guy that you could lean on 30 to 35 times a game if, if, if the situation calls for it. But in this day and age of the NFL, you know, the game is played a little bit differently. You have to be able to make do with 15 carries and not 30 carries. And I don't think Snell is that type of back. So for me, Snell, just like Jordan Howard, like for, I said this yesterday, um, if the Bears wanted to keep Jordan Howard and just reverse the roles of him and Cohen and let Cohen be the leadoff guy and utilize um, Howard as your four-minute offense closer, that's perfect. But when you try to lead off with Howard, you slow your offense down, you limit the explosiveness, uh, you, you take touchdowns off the board potentially, and if you go about the other way, you know, you have to – Look at, you know, how uh, Cohen can make do with what he does with less carries, can help you score faster, and then you can go ahead and feed a guy like Howard to close out a game. And I think you could do the same thing with Benny Snell. Yeah, I'm with you. And it's funny that we're, a lot of these guys we're talking about, too, that you were higher and lower on and that you and I talked about beforehand. And we see stuff at the combine. And all of a sudden, these guys start heading in directions. Like, you see people start to cool on Betty Snell. You see people start to cool on this next guy, Elijah Holyfield. Uh, actually, there was another one. That's I texted you beforehand when I first saw your rankings. And I wasn't thrilled with him, but I was surprised to see you have him as low as you did. And I said, well, you know, what's, what's your reasoning before that? And I'll let you get into it. But it's also funny that you see how poorly he performed at the combine. And he dropped basically to around where you had him. Yeah, and it's it's funny because, man, again, you wonder, and full disclosure about my process, you know, I don't get into the draft process until January because throughout the season, I'm covering the NFL. I'm also a college football color color analyst, so I'm doing games on Saturday, so I don't get the chance to watch games, a lot of games live like I did prior to me, you know, doing more college football games, which is great. So I may catch a game live on Thursday um, if I'm not doing a game. And Friday is usually a travel day for me. Uh, so when I get started in January, I, I start by going to the All-Star Games. Then February, I jump into the film room. So it's, I see all these takes from people throughout the year. So seeing takes and then diving into the film, I'm like, wow, this person was really hyping this player up. Or this is not – this person said this player does this well. And I'm like, wow, I don't see this. So I'm glad I get into the process when I do and don't let, you know, Twitter or, or websites formulate your opinion, which a lot of people do. Um, so when I watch Holyfield, it's like, man, okay, he's a good back, good vision, got good footwork, but so does every starting running back at the FBS level. <laughs> you know, so what's your Trump card? That's my biggest thing. You know, that's why I was high on, you know, a Tariq Cohen, a, a Kareem Hunt, uh, Christian McCaffrey, a, you know, Leonard Fournette, even he's a bigger back, but he has breakaway speed. So what is it that makes you a starter at the NFL level? Now, you could be a spot starter, which I consider RB2s. Um, so I think a guy like Holyfield can be a – he's a good comp guy. I, I just don't 
I don't see the starter level NFL, you know, day one starter. I see a guy that's going to come in, spell your starter, you know, can take two series, uh, has good vision, sees the defense really well, and, and able to hit the cutback lane. I don't think he plays at a 4-8 speed. I think he's a lot faster than than with the the forty time indicated. His technique was all off when he ran that forty. So that that ex, to me that explains. Yeah, his that was 40. ugly. <laughs> yeah, he is. He's going to run a faster forty easily at at uh at the pro day. So I think he's a really good player, man. And and I see all this because you know when you look at my grades and and how I grade and and the numbers that represent where they are, you know I still have him as a you know a solid NFL player. So I, it's not like I don't like these guys. Um, cause I know it's, we live in a day and age where you, you have to be on either side of the argument, either you love them or you hate them, but yeah. really a lot of these guys can play ball. And there's a reason why they're going to the NFL. All right. Well, one more low one, and then we'll get to, we'll finish out with some good ones is justice Hill. You're a little bit lower on him and I'll be honest. I don't have a huge sample of tape that I've watched with him because usually I do that. So for Emory's point, I do the same thing. And I do, and for people know this, you know, I'm so immersed in football that I can't, I literally can't start watching. And so if, if I haven't seen it by watching mostly Notre Dame or some of the big games on TV, I do what you do, but I do what you do the opposite way. I, I start with the smaller school kids because those are the ones I never got to see. And I work my way backwards. So like somebody like Justice Hill at Oklahoma State, I right around this time is where I'm watching like more of the Ohio State games, more of the Oklahoma, like the big school. So Justice Hill, why are you lower on him, and what should I be looking for when I dive in? Pretty much, actually, next week. Well, it all. I think when you look at Justice Hill, you're looking at how he's going to fit at the NFL level. So let's compare him to what people are, I guess, projecting him to. Um, you know, Elijah McGuire, uh, Tevin Coleman, Phil um, Lindsay, because he was just Phillip. last year. Well. Wow, that because so people may see him say see Justice Hill as a starter. I, I'm I'm going along the lines of I see him as a as again an RB two guy with with a, that has a situational role in the league, has some quickness, um, can help as, as a kickoff returner. I don't see the down to down threat uh, as a as a full time starter. So that's where I was going with it, and that's what I see with Justice Hill. Again, you're playing in that spread offense at Oklahoma State, where you're going to see gaping holes. You have to really tear it up. Um, or you have the opportunity to tear it up in that offense, and he was he was good, you know. So he he wasn't game breaking good, but he was good. So that's how I feel about him. I think he has a role. Uh, he's going to be like the Tevin Coleman type in, in, in the league, and I think that's a good, you know, spot for him to be uh, if you're looking at where he fits on your squad. Well, that's a good comparison because we saw how Tevin Coleman struggled to be the lead option last year. That's exactly to your point, and. Probably lost a decent amount of money, sadly, for him. But uh, all right, let's go positive. Let's turn the other way since we've talked. Like, we're so low, low, low after starting with Daryl Henderson. And let's talk about, you know, I don't talk about my boy, Dexter Williams. And for people that don't know, which would be all of you, because I texted Emery back after he sent his list, I said, shoot, I was really hoping I was going to get on you and be able to say you have Dexter Williams too low. But you didn't. You had Dexter Williams inside your top five. Uh, somebody I got to talk to a good amount because, you know, the Notre Dame contingent traveled well, Emery, and I didn't really get to talk to Miles Gaskin or even Alizé Mack. Or did you get to talk to Mack, by the way? Um, I didn't. I, uh, know, I, did, I, I, did, I did talk to him. I did talk to him. Did you, but I, did you well, ask him I, about his first name? <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> so, because they always said Alize Mack on TV every single week. And then we get our sheets telling, you know, where everybody's setting up. 
and it was Alize or something. It was Alize or something. They they had it completely different. I was like, I want to ask him how his name's pronounced. But anyway, back to Dexter Williams. I was surprised seeing how many people were around Mac and Blakin from Notre Dame because it's you know not very far away, about an hour or so, and yet there wasn't a ton around you know Dexter Williams. And one of the things you and I both said. And this is what you said. You said, "What's your, you know, your your trump card? The explosiveness of Dexter Williams to be able to once he hits that whole seed, he's gone." And you saw that time and again at Notre Dame. Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing. And I, I just find it interesting is you know the first game I got to see of him um, was actually I saw a live game, and it was and I'm saying live from TV perspective, but it was the Virginia Tech game. I'm like, man, this dude, because I thought Virginia Tech was going to win that game. Um, and Notre Dame came in and really dominated Virginia Tech, and they couldn't stop Dexter Williams. We had, I think, a 90-yard touchdown run in that one, and so much has to go right for you to have a 90-yard touchdown run, plus you have to have sustained speed. I think he has that, and you saw that time and time again throughout the season, and his only thing, and the reason why I have him a half point behind Josh Jacobs as my third running back was because we only seen it for one year. And, you know, you want to see how he can handle, you know, being a feature, feature back. We saw a little bit this year, but he also had some some nicks and bruises. Um, so you worry about that. But, again, if I could hand it to a guy and we're backed up in the second and 15 and we run a draw and he has a chance to go 70 yards, that's the player I want on my team. And so I think people are also undervaluing what he brings to the table as a receiver. So I think his upside is, is, is clearly – through the roof. And I think he's a, he's a starter in my opinion at the next level, because again, he has the ability to hit the home run. And again, I know people will say, well, I don't just find the fastest guys and, and rank him higher. Well, that's not the case. Obviously the running back part of it, uh, the vision and the elusiveness and the, you know, the, what you need to play the position. He has that, but he also has something that not a lot of backs have. And that's the game breaking ability. Yeah, and what I like so much about him is it's kind of like you can see, I think for your point earlier when we talked about the Jordan Howards of the world, what I saw, and obviously I saw every single Notre Dame game, and I'm not being a homer. People know I'm not a homer when it comes to fantasy because I trash Eli and the Giants all the time. But for Dexter Williams, is you talk about the vision, and when he's in that space or even in the open field, he's got that movement where he just, if he sees it, he's going there. Unlike, you know, like Jordan Howard's of the world we were talking about, where it's kind of like, all right, he's just going to take what he's given. He's just going in that direction. See you later. Like you can see Dexter Williams be able to look where he's going, see that vision. And it's kind of hard to explain, but I think you understand what I'm saying is like where his eyes are looking for the openings, his body easily falls instead of having to make like tough movements. And it just doesn't look natural. Yeah. You could tell when a back, a back's eyes, and feet are in unison. Uh, a lot of times, right. back do see it, but you know the way their athleticism is set up, they can't get there, and so that's why they probably either keep it front side or you know try to burrow through um, a defender. They see the cutback, but they know they can't get there, and there'll be a loss. So let's just get what we can get and move on to the next play. But guys that have that 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 extra gear, that that tremendous footwork, you don't have to be a, a smallish speedy guy we saw guys like Jerome Bettis be able to do that uh hit the cutback lane and then outrun people to the end zone so you could be a bigger back and have great footwork and vision and, and agility um you know that's what makes you special that's what made Jerome Bettis go from a full back to a first round top five pick as a top 10 pick as an NFL tailback uh so it's all about what you can do with your skill set and understanding what makes you great 
And, you know, that's why I think Dexter Williams is, is a guy that, despite his one year of starting, just like Josh Jacobs, can't be a starter at the NFL level. All right, let's get last two for you. And I don't want to take up too much of your time. Like I said, I, was, well, I don't even think we're going to get all the running backs I want to talk about. But somebody that these actually last two, you're, you're very high on in comparison, like I said, to the majority. Like uh, this next one, Rackwell Armstead. I have seen one other person have him ranked inside the top 10. Most people I've seen have him 20 to 30 with a maybe a 18 mixed in there. And you have him at eight overall. So what are you seeing from Armstead that kind of puts you in a different boat than most people? I've seen a lot of Raquel Armstead because uh, some of the games I attend live, um, scouting-wise, I've seen him at Temple um, back when he was the backup to Jahad Thomas. And when he was a freshman, he was like, man, who the hell is this backup for Temple? Who's He's good. And Jahad Thomas was excellent. Um, but this dude Armstead was outstanding. Um, and he plays a pro game. He's a downhill runner. He has good bursts. He, he's able to – you know, get good pad level and power through uh, tacklers. And he has a good enough, um, like I said, burst to rip, where he can rip off those 30 to 40-yard chunk plays. And I like how he, how aggressive he is when he's running. You know, it's, it's a – normally I'm telling, you, I'm telling guys to avoid, you know, unnecessary contact if you have to. Uh, but he does it the way I like to see a back do it. If you're going to take on contact, Lower your shoulder, keep your legs moving, and power through it. You could break a lot of tackles and also still maintain your speed and explosiveness to, to finish off the long run. I think for a guy like Armstead, who played at Temple, um, love their scheme, love what they do, you can see his vision. You see how he does in pass pro. You saw him catch the ball. You saw him uh, be counted on to close out games when he was a backup, and that was something interesting. They go to him to close out the games. You saw him lead off uh, this past season. So, this is a guy that has done it all, and he put together a lot of positive tape, and that's why he was able to grade high for me in his class. All right. Fair enough. Last one. Um, actually, real quick, last one. Those are second to last one. I just, I think this is hilarious. So one of the people that you love to look at, I'm not going to say the name for everybody out there, uh, for their draft stuff and kind of confuses you at times. Um, so somebody put this out there as a comp for somebody that here. I'm going to give it It's for everybody out there. Um, I'm looking right now. You have this running back at 42. It's Miles Gaskin. Uh, I see a 12. I see a 12. I see a 14. I see a 13. I see another 11. So you are by far, so far off of Gaskin compared to. But the funny thing is, one of the people compares him to Bishop Sankey. And I'm like, whoa, how is that a good thing? And he's inside your top 15. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's, that's baffling to me, Henry. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing with Gaskin, man. If you didn't see Gaskin play and you just looked at his numbers, 5.7 yards of carry, 5.8, 6.2, 4.9 this past season, over 5,300 yards and 57 touchdowns each year. It was double-digit touchdowns. Last year was 21. You're like, my, my God, this dude, that's a first-round talent. And then when you watch Washington, especially coming from that program who has one of my favorite backs in history uh, in Napoleon Kaufman, uh, coming from that program, Corey Dillon. So they, they've had great history of, of backs. And Gaskin statistically is right up. I think he's top two, maybe if, if not top three. Um, so the numbers that tell you, like, Gaskin is outstanding, and he was for, for Washington. But when you watch him from a scouting perspective, you're like, okay, it, it, it kind of 
it kind of disappoints you because you expect to see home run hitting plays, explosive plays, ridiculous moves to, to make you stand up on your seat. You, you, but you never do. <laughs> you never do. You just see, like, consistency. And there's nothing wrong with consistency. I mean, this is a guy that averaged, what, 220-something carries a season. So you saw, like, a productive guy. It was almost like Donnell Pumphrey in a way where you saw super productive and nothing really made you say, okay, I got to watch this, watch this again because they got Gaskins, you know, or Gaskin, you, like you did when you saw other backs that have a wow factor. And, there, again, there's nothing wrong with being steady and consistent. We saw that play out over the course of a career with Curtis Martin. You know, you can't remember any of Curtis Martin runs, but next thing you know, you look up and he's fifth all-time in NFL history with yards, <laughs> you know, just like Frank Gore. Um, so I'm not saying Gaskin can't play and he can't be a starter, but is there's a reason why he was, you know, I had a, a lot of backs ahead of him because there was nothing superseding his production where you say, okay, yeah, okay. Even if it was elusiveness, you know, it would, or power, you would have been like, okay, yeah, this dude got something with him, but it just never wowed you as a, as a player or as a prospect. All right, so last one, because I, I, I snuck that one in, and I, I wanted to end on a positive note. And I want to, again, by doing so, promote how good Emory is, is what, what you do. Um, somebody, to finish up in the rankings and point this out, saw a 32 on this guy, a 31, a 20. It's like, I, this guy wasn't even inside the top 10, sniffing it in any list I've seen so far anywhere. The combine rolls around, and yeah, some things happen. And Emory, all of a sudden, these people are like, oh, Maybe he's a somebody we should be looking at. Maybe he's a little sleeper talent. Oh, how do you slip through? Let's pay attention to this guy. It's only your number nine running back in Alex Barnes. Yeah, I, I love Alex Barnes' tape. And, you know, I, when I watched him, he compared a lot to me to uh, James Conner. And I like Conner's tape, you know. And, again, it just shows you that you don't have to be a game-breakingly fast running back to, to really grade out well. Um, I thought he had really good vision, good footwork, good pad low for a guy that's 6'1", um, 220 pounds. And, you know, he burst onto the scene for me as a freshman. Uh, when I saw Kansas State play, I was like, man, this dude is balling. And he had like a ridiculous game. And then, you know, Kansas State kind of plays Kansas State way to where they're, they're in games and they get out of games and they have to throw, which is not their game. And, you know, so he <laughs> it wasn't really – like must-see TV for Kansas State because they haven't been that good in quite some time. But this past season when he was, you know, the full-fledged starter and got those carries, and he did really well, 12 touchdowns, 5.3 yards a carry. But it's the way he went about his business that made me enjoy watching because I fully expected um, – because he was an early entry. And I fully expected, you know, judging by his 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 school – and, you know, his size and the fact that he, he came out early and I didn't really know who he was. I was like, this dude's probably going to be average. And I'm watching this film. I'm like, wow, you know, okay, okay. And I mean, he's checking boxes. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, like that was pretty good. I like, I like how he's running, man. And, and I was like, yo, this dude got – he got a little game with him. And I was excited that my stereotype of his, his, his play was disproven by just watching him. And I was like, yo, this dude really got game, man. It was hard. And it, again, the tape doesn't lie. And it was, you can't hate on what you see um, if you're doing this correctly. And it was just like, man, this dude tape is good. So he has to grade out that way. 
<laughs> you're not you're definitely not wrong with that fact and uh i think that a lot more people are paying attention to now especially for fancy purposes after what they saw but this is just a minute snippet of how much information Emery has and how deep he goes into prospects and how much you know. Uh, once again, Emery, tell everybody where to follow you, where to find your work on YouTube, just, again, everything. They can follow me on Twitter at FBallGamePlan. Subscribe to the Football Game Plan Network at YouTube.com slash FootballGamePlan. Bookmark our website, FootballGamePlan.com. You'll, you'll get all of our grades and scouting reports on 767 prospects in this year's <laughs> draft class. You can even go back to our 2011 uh, draft grades and, and prospect rankings to see how we've progressed over the years and, you know, where we were right in some areas, where we were wrong. We're probably the only place to have Russell Wilson as a first-round prospect. No caveats and nothing like that. Um, we, did, we wasn't as high on Trent Richardson, you know, despite everyone saying he was the best back since Adrian Peterson. We weren't on that bandwagon. So, you know, we, we, we have some takes out there, man. And, and it's funny because I think a lot of people will look at this and say, you know, I don't know why we don't get the uh, – I, I think we do, and a lot of people just don't publicly give us our props because they don't want to seem like they're giving somebody credit who <laughs> feels as though it's not uh, – who is not friendly with them or so to speak. And it's not you, – you've met me, Jake. And, I mean, I'm, I'm as honest and as – I'm the same way with everybody. So uh, – but I think because people will look at the grades and, and want to, well, where's your scout reports? You know, I want to see how you came about this grade. Okay, cool. Just ask me. Like, I don't have to put everything out because the last time we put stuff out, people stole it. So, you know what? You don't, you don't want um, people stealing your work and claiming it as theirs. So if you want to know the, you know, the minutia behind these grades and what I think of a player and the scout reports, have me on your show and ask me. I will gladly tell you. Yeah, that's what makes it so great. You're transparent and uh, one of the best at it. We're going to have to spend a lot of time. I feel like we might have to divvy up the wide receivers into two shows, but we're definitely going to be talking to you again. As long as you have the time, make sure you guys take the time to follow them. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll talk again. I appreciate it, Emery. Anytime, Jake. Once again, that was Chris Meany and Emery Hunt. Make sure you're following both of them. Chris Meany at Chris Meany. Emery Hunt at F-Ball Game Plan. I'll be back Thursday with Chris Meany and Brad Ziegler, as mentioned. Talk some fancy baseball and fancy football. Get you ready for your drafts and so much more. Hopefully, we have a Le'Veon Bell signing by that point, but we'll see. So make sure you come back. Make sure you subscribe at theathletic.com front slash all in sports. Get you 30% off and a five-star review if you feel like giving one. If not, I appreciate you listening anyway. You're still great. Have a good one.